Good morning. Let's talk about Sit With Me, a new series for the next four weeks. And uh, do you remember in school when they got assigned seats or like the first week of school and like maybe you came in, it was like fifth grade and you remember you had your couple buddies, a couple of your girlfriends and you were hoping you guys would get to sit together and just how awesome it was when you had like that nine week period when you had to sit with your friends and then, or maybe it came through and then it was like the teacher's like, okay, new nine weeks, we're getting new seating charts and you thought, no, right? And you got stuck next to the guy who picked his nose all the time and ate it and he was like, oh, this is going to be the worst. Or, See, you didn't laugh hard enough because you thought that was mean, all right? But I, it's gross, okay, but I don't know why was there always a kid that picked his nose and ate it. I won't say which one of my sons, but there was a time when one of my sons, I remember we were driving somewhere. Can't believe I'm telling the story. Wasn't even in the notes. I told myself, go quicker, end on time. Don't tell stupid stories, says me. Here we go. And one of my kids, I don't know, he was, I don't know how old was, we're driving in the car somewhere, and like, you know how you see your kids in the rearview mirror doing stuff, right? And I saw him pick his nose, and he was like this, and I was like, ha, ha, ha. What are you doing? And he's like, looked at me like, he's like, I was like, were you getting ready to pick your nose? And he didn't. <laughs> Listen, kids, this is children's church. Boogers aren't food, all right? They go in Kleenexes. And you shouldn't wipe them underneath the couch either, all right? Or on the floorboards of the car, right? They go in Kleenexes, all right? Sorry. We're just going to keep it real this morning. You know what I'm saying? If you're new to Mercy Road, you're like, I didn't know this was a Booker church. I didn't know. I thought it was going to be holy, set apart. Where did they? Sorry. All right. Seriously, let me focus from here on out. Stick with me. All right. No, sitting with people, it was crazy. Or maybe you got on the bus, right? And you went to sit in the back of the bus with all the cool kids. And you got sitting next to the bus driver up front. It's just sitting with people. It's a bigger deal than just sitting with people. And there's nothing like it when someone actually reaches out to you and like personally invites you like, hey, you want to sit with us? Like for me, as a pastor's kid, we moved churches sometimes, and, and I'd be the new kid at school. And there was nothing like those moments where some people, like that, that maybe they had a crew of folks, and they would invite you to sit with them at their lunch table. And it was like, oh, okay, I could, this is going to be all right. Someone has seen me. Someone has invited me to sit with them. It's amazing, the power of an invitation. And that's what we're going to take the next four weeks and look at. Kind of a two-fold approach here is, is one is this idea that there are people in your life right now that are really, really, really waiting for you to invite them to sit with you. Whether it's at church here at Mercy Road, whether it's over coffee, maybe it's as a part of a huddle or, or maybe at Rooted, maybe it's a part of, a, of an outpost, but they're waiting for you to see them and invite them into your life. The second part of this series is this. One of the amazingly powerful, even scandalous things we believe about Jesus is that he actually invites us to come and sit with him. That he would teach us what it means to live life as he created us to live it. That God himself says, hey, you can sit with me. In fact, that's what I created you for. Jesus, thanks for this morning. Thanks for your gospel, the good news. I pray that it would be good news for us today and uh, that we would respond in ways that are appropriate. In Jesus' name, amen.
So let's jump into a story. We're going to read a story of Jesus each week where he sat with people. Kind of crazy how much he just sat with people and the life-changing things that happened as Jesus just sat with people. Let's jump into Luke chapter 5, verses 27 through 32. The story of Levi. Levi, also known as Matthew, so don't get confused, right? Matthew actually wrote the first book in the New Testament. He's known as Levi, then his name gets changed to Matthew. I'm not exactly sure how that happens, but it's in there. I'm sure you could research it. So sometimes I'm going to say Matthew, sometimes I'm going to say, Levi, same bro, don't get lost, okay? Goes like this. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Then Jesus answered them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance." Let's jump off the first sentence here. After this, Jesus went out and saw. There's the first problem right there. Jesus went out and saw. Sometimes in my life, I, life, I, I wish that Jesus would just sit down and stop looking around. Anybody else? Right? There's your first problem, Jesus. Stop looking around at my life. Like, if you could just stay at church, we got nice padded seats, right? There's tons of churches all over town. If you prefer pews, we've got some with that. We've got chairs, rows. There's lots, of, there's tons of denominations. Jesus, just find a building somewhere. We spend a lot of money on them. Sit down and shut your eyes. I'll see you there on Sunday for an hour. Please and thank you. Because there's some times, and there's some places that I sit that I don't want Jesus looking at. How about you? Amen or oh me. My dad used to say that all the time when he preached. Jesus, stop looking around. Just be Jesus in the holy Jesus places and let me sit and do what I want in life. We think that, or at least I think that. Let me throw myself under the bus and get honest. I think that because I assume that if Jesus goes out and Jesus sees me where I'm sitting, that he's going to see me and I'm going to get rejected and condemned. Like when he sees me sitting where I need not sit in life. When he sees me doing the things that I know aren't of God. I'm afraid that when he sees me, that he's going to condemn me and reject me. You want to know why I think that? Because when I see myself sitting in the places that I need not sit in life, the places of sin or of brokenness or of darkness or of pain, guess what I do when I see myself there? I condemn and reject myself. I've said it before, but there may be no meaner person on earth to you than you. When we see the things that we're doing that we know we shouldn't be doing that aren't bringing life or freedom or hope to our life, we really dislike ourselves. And if we don't like me, right? If I don't like me, I can guarantee you, Jesus, he's not going to like what he sees. But then here's the weird part. You read all the Jesus stories. And in all the Jesus stories, the people like me get seen 
And every time they're seen, they're seen with kindness and compassion. Every time. Jesus sees Levi sitting by himself in his tax booth. And it literally was like a booth. Tax collectors in this time, not popular bros, right? They worked for the Romans, taxed the Jews, took a little off the top for themselves. They stole from their people. They were connected with the oppressive Romans. These were not liked people. Most of them were corrupt. They were kind of put off, if you will, in the cultural corner of life. You ever get in trouble and have to go sit in the corner? Is there any less more terrible feeling than sitting like turn around face the corner and sit in the chair you've ever been there before I have I have a tendency to get in trouble in life a lot of times in school I talk too much couldn't stay on task had to go sit in the corner all right for you introverts in the room you're like that sounds like a dream come true (laughs) I could sit in a corner by myself turned around not looking or interacting with other people yeah that's a vacation right For us 99% extroverts, we're like, it's a prison of loneliness, right? And that is Levi. He's sitting in the corner, and I guarantee you that he had to be having thoughts about himself as he's sitting by himself. Like, I don't think he was thinking, you know what? I love it when people hate me. This is good. It's good. I love it when people spit on the ground as they walk past me. It's just a good greeting, really. You know, I love the way it feels when I rip off my neighbor's. And I know that I'm taking the money they need just to help myself. That feels good. It's good. It's good. And I wonder if, if when Levi was thinking about him sitting in the cultural corner of life, rejected by everyone else, knowing he was stealing, knowing he was corrupt, knowing these things that were wrong in him, I wonder if when he saw Jesus coming his way, he began to think to himself, oh, here comes Jesus. Oh, here he is walking around again, seeing people, Right? And then I wonder, here's what I, here's what I think sometimes we do. We're so convinced that Jesus is going to see us and reject and condemn us. We try to beat him to the punch and reject him before he sees us. Oh, I don't need your church. I don't need to go and hear about your rules. I don't need to go and, and sit there and have somebody tell me how bad I am. No, thanks, Jesus, right? You just go ahead and stay in your Jesus-y stuff, and I'll take care of my life. Thank you very much. Man, I wonder if Levi's sitting there going, here he comes. And he's probably not even going to look at me. Oh, look at all the people, all the Jesus followers following Jesus. He's probably not even going to see me. And if he does see me, he'll probably give me some big super self-righteous Jesus, like eye roll or something to cruise right past me. But forget you, Jesus. I don't need it. And maybe you invited a friend to sit with you this morning, and they were like, no, nah, no thanks. Maybe you've got family members that you've been trying to invite to, to, to know Jesus, and that's, that's their stance. Maybe you finally came with a friend today, but when you came in the door, you were kind of thinking, if this gets weird, and if Jesus tries to get in my mix today, I'm not in. I don't know. I'm just wondering, since Levi was a human being like you and me, maybe he had those emotions. And then Jesus blows his mind because Jesus walks up, doesn't say anything about Levi's stuff. He just says, hey, Levi, you come follow me.
excuse me? Yeah, Levi. I want you to come follow me. Let's go. Well, I've heard what, what they've been saying about you. Like, like they say you're God and stuff. And like, like they say that you're like the Messiah, that you've, you might be coming to like save the world. And, and like, I know what they say about God and they, I know, I know who I am. And I know, this, like I know, and what's crazy, Jesus, is like, if, if I know it and you actually are God, like you know it, like you know all this stuff and like you can, It's just me sitting here. There's no one else. I mean, I, you said my name. Like, you, you want me to, to come sit with you? Yeah. Let's go. And honestly, if, if you're a Christian this morning, here's what I'm concerned that we have gotten used to or forgotten. Is that is the essence of Christianity. It's called the gospel. It actually means good news. Here's the good news. Jesus sees you exactly where you are. He sees everything you wish he couldn't see. And the God of the universe the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the, the, the one that created and thought of and creatively made all of this happen and created and sustained your life. God himself looks you in the face, calls you by name, and he says, come on, follow me. You can sit with me. He didn't start with all the stuff that Levi needed to fix, right? He didn't come and say, Levi, here's the deal, bro. Uh, got a roster on the spot of 12, thinking about fantasy drafting you. Uh, problem, you're crooked. Uh, you steal from people, gonna have to quit it. Uh, you lie a lot. Uh, I have heard your language, pretty filthy. Uh, you hang out with a bunch of really shady folks, Gonna have to get new friends. Uh, you drink too much, uh, you know. So there's just, there's a long list here, Levi, of stuff you're gonna have to fix. If you could jump on that, really button up the whole situation, we could probably reserve the 12th roster spot for you. Uh, but get to fixing yourself, buddy, and uh, then we'll see you at church next week. And he, didn't, he didn't say anything. He just says, here. here's what I need you to know. I see you. And I want you to follow me. Because Jesus knew for Levi the same thing he knows for you. He knows this. That it's in the following that Levi would find everything he needed in his life. It's in the following where you find everything you need. Oh, is it fixed right away? No, no. See, it's not fixed right away because you're being invited to sit with Jesus and follow him through your entire life as the creator of your life says, listen, I love you. I see you with compassion. I see you with kindness. And as we walk together and as we sit together, I'm going to teach you how to live your life as I intended it to be lived. And if you've been told that Christianity is something other than that, I want to change your mind about God this morning to realize that here's the deal. The offer is not come sit in a seat and listen to a dude talk and then just go do life. The offer here is this. It's a mystery that's been kept hidden for ages and generations, but now it's been made to us as this. It's been made known that the offer is this. Christ in you, 
the hope of glory. That the spirit of the living God would come and live inside of you and God would actually walk with you and sit with you and love you and teach you how to live your life as it was intended to be lived. Because I'm guessing if you've never heard that, you might be like Levi, where you're like, I don't know that I really like my life right now, Darren. Like there's stuff in my life that I don't like that I do. And I don't think Jesus wants to hang out with someone that does that. Yeah, he does. I don't like the way I feel, Darren, when I gossip about other moms and tear people down behind their backs all the time. Well, he knows that. He still wants to sit with you. I don't like how I feel, Darren, in the places that I sit sometimes, like by myself at my house with my computer. Yeah, he sees all that. He still is inviting you to come sit with him. I don't like how I feel, Darren, when I, when I sit and, and, and I drink so much. I do embarrassing things around my friends and family. And, and yeah, he sees all that. He still wants you to come sit with him. Darren, Darren, I don't really like the way it's like I, there's stuff in my life I don't want to deal with. And so I won't go to these certain, yeah, all of it. All of the things that you see in you and you reject and condemn yourself for, Jesus sees them all and he says this, hey, hey, you, 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 by name, you come on, follow me. Because it's in the following that you're going to find everything you need. He sees you with compassion. He sees you with kindness. And he wants you to sit with him. Levi got it. You wonder how we know he got it? Because he got up and left everything to follow. Left everything. Then it keeps going. The story gets even better. Levi gets up to follow and says this. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of law who belonged to their sect, complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered him, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Here's the crazy thing. Not only does Jesus want to sit with you, but Jesus wants to sit with your friends. See, something must have happened in Levi's life. He must have been having conversations with his buddies to know that they hated themselves as much as he hated himself. He must have been having conversations with his buddies to think, you know what, the dudes I've been hanging around with, you know what they probably would love to know? That the living God is on earth and he'll actually hang out with folks like us. So I'm going to have a party. We're hanging out with Jesus. Bro, you got to meet Jesus. Like, he knew, he, I mean, I know he's got, he knows all the stuff. He didn't say anything about that. He just wanted to hang out. Like, Jesus wants to hang out. And in this situation, it's weird because I think maybe some of his notorious sinful friends, that what was weird was, in the story, it doesn't go that they got there and they hung out with Jesus. And in a couple interactions, they were like, see, I told you you would judge me, Jesus. And all of Matthew's friends left upset and rejected. That didn't happen, does it? In fact, we don't have that story where people that see that Jesus sees them in their pain and their suffering and sees them in their sin, that they walk away rejected and sad. And this, the struggle though for us that say that we are Christians that currently sit with Jesus is some of them were hanging around and were like, whoa, whoa, what are we hanging out with the sinners for? Jesus, what are you doing sitting with them? 
And the struggle for some of us in our, 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 our journey and our desire to invite people to sit with us in Jesus is they may have had an interaction with their life where they hung around some people that said they hung around with Jesus. And when they started to get honest and be seen, they were condemned and rejected. And they lived their life thinking that because some Christian folks condemned and rejected them that Jesus did too. And that may be a hurdle we need to get over. But Jesus can help. Here's the struggle, though. The struggle is the stats say we're not talking about Jesus. It's a brand new Barna study that came out, nationwide study, asking people how often and how regularly they talk about God or spiritual deals. It's in a new book about to come out called Learning to Speak God from Scratch. Jonathan Merritt is, is writing the book. I've read three chapters of it. We're getting ready to interview him on the Born to Be podcast. Take a look for that later. It'll be coming out probably next month. Phenomenal study. But here's what he's found. In his study, he's found out that nationwide, that only about 7% of people who say they're Christians have spiritual conversations with other people on a weekly basis. Maybe we're, we are so far above the national curve, we're killing it here at Mercy Road. Maybe. I'll give it to us. Maybe we are. But maybe we're not. And if we're not, that means that 93% of us don't have a weekly conversation about Jesus with people in our life. Ninety-three. Let's say the stats are wrong. Let's add 10%. That means 83% of us on a weekly basis don't talk about Jesus with people around us. Why? Why don't we talk about it? Well, the survey says because we're afraid of offending someone. That we're afraid of looking ignorant. Well, I don't know all the scriptures and I can't chapter and verse stuff. I don't know. I don't want to look stupid. And some of it is just avoidance. But here's the crazy part. You want to know what has basically allowed Christianity to continue to expand and change the known world for over 2,000 years? It's been people like you and me inviting people to sit with them in Jesus and tell them their story. And then the movement just continues to move and change the world. Like, what if this story had ended like our story? If Matthew was, or Levi was a part of the 93% of us that don't talk about Jesus during the week. Is Matthew's by himself in the cultural corner, rejected by everybody, and Jesus calls him by name, and he sees that he's loved, and he's met with compassion, and generosity, and, and, and love, and redemption, and he follows Jesus, and Jesus begins to change his life, and teach him to love himself, and teach him to love God, and teach him to serve others, people, and teach him to forgive, and there's healing in Matthew's heart, and then he doesn't really ever tell any of his friends that felt just like he did a couple months ago because he's scared. Period. That's a terrible story. Terrible. Terrible. 
It's amazing the power of personal invitation. What I want to encourage you is this. We want you to invite people to sit with you at church. That's a, that's a really good invitation. Hey, come sit with me. We got donut holes. I mean, come on, who doesn't love donut holes? Like when I grew up going to church because I was a pastor's kid, a lot of the churches we were part of went to were lame and boring. The singing was terrible. Like I'd invite friends and have to apologize. Like what you're about to experience is horrible, okay? Homeboy that leads the singing, he doesn't have rhythm and he can't even hit pitches. Like it's, it's worse than a Saturday Night Live skit, but come with me. Because Jesus is here. I think. Actually, I'm not even sure that Jesus is here, right? Because, and, but this is good. Like, your friends will enjoy being here, but this is like, in my opinion, okay, Josh probably doesn't want me to say this because he wants people to come to church too. My opinion, the invite to come to sit with me at church is like remedial first grade level. What I think changes people's lives is when you say stuff like, you want to come sit with me in life? And we'll talk about how Jesus is doing stuff in my life. Well, what if they ask me questions I don't know, Darren? You say this. I don't know. Well, what if they say, well, why don't you know? You say, I don't know why I don't know. <laughs> Would you like to work together to see if there's an answer to that question? Oh, you would? Well, why don't you sit with me next Wednesday? We'll have coffee again. I think it's when we begin to ask people to be a part of our life in this journey with Jesus that things change. And I'm amazed at the power of personal invitation. I've been leading huddles for five years now, and I'm still amazed at some of the people that actually say yes to be in my huddle. People that I'm like, I think they're, like they're at least Jesus fans, but I know they're not like sitting with people talking about Jesus on a regular basis. And I've invited them to my huddle, which is a big ask, right? Hey, would you like to sit with me and other dudes for 90 minutes a week for a year and talk about Jesus? <laughs> and because you've seen someone and invited them by name, I'm amazed at how many times they go, yeah, I'll do that. But see, we got to repent. Let's wrap it up like this. Jesus says, I called, I came to call people to repentance. One of my biggest repentance moments was the, the, the time leading up to, um, to starting pub theology. Because I got to a place in my life where I wasn't inviting people because I was assuming, I came to a place as a pastor that I assumed, I, I was starting to feel like I don't think Jesus works on adults anymore, is what I thought. I've been leading a church for eight years, and we weren't seeing the kind of life change that I thought we should see, and it was just kind of like, I got to a place where I was like, I don't know that it works. Like, I think we get kids to believe in Jesus, and then people just kind of exist, and I don't know that it works anymore. And that's a tough place to be when you're a pastor. And then God took me to Bosnia, and experience over there with Jesus. And I got this thought that maybe we could come back here. Maybe Jesus does work on adults. And maybe if we just go to the places where people feel like that Jesus wouldn't sit with them and we sit with them, maybe Jesus will show up and do stuff. 
So for six months, we started hanging out in this smoky bar called Joe's 2 over on 96th Street. And we didn't even tell anybody we were Christians or the pastors from across the street. We just sat with them and heard their stories. And I grew up as a pastor's kid in a denomination where you couldn't drink, so I never was around alcohol. I never was in bars, and I felt like the biggest poser in the world. Like, I felt like when I was going in, they could probably see my halo and be like, Jesus person, get him, you know? And we sat there and heard people's stories, and here's what I found for six months. I found that after like, like, like after like a couple Coors Lights, people like to talk about God a lot. And I was like, what's going on here? I've never been in a bar in my life. And now all of a sudden I'm having a conversation. This guy's just opening up about how he can't forgive his mom. He doesn't know what to do about it. And the cool part is he doesn't know I'm a pastor, so he's being honest. Right? That's why I don't usually tell people. That's why I like that I, race, that I host radio shows now. Because they'd be like, what do you do for a living? I'm a radio host. Oh, then I won't lie to you. Because when you're a pastor, people lie to you. <clears throat> we sat there and I began to realize that Jesus actually still works on adults because what people really, really, really want is to be seen with the eyes of compassion and kindness of Jesus. And what we as Christians have to do is actually sit with them long enough to say, here's how Jesus sits with me. This is maybe how I'll sit with you. Because I've actually come to believe that the God who created the whole universe wants to sit with me and teach me how to live my life. So what about you? My favorite quote I read this week is from Richard Rohr. He said this, Jesus didn't come to change God's mind about us. Jesus came to change our minds about God. So friends, here's the deal. Jesus sees you. I want you to know that. I want to change your mind about God today that when he sees you, he sees you with compassion and kindness exactly where you're sitting. Yet, Yes, where you're sitting, he sees you. And he sees you with kindness and compassion. I want to change your mind about God that he actually wants to sit with you and he actually wants to sit with your friends. This morning, I want to change your mind about God. Because his mind about you has never changed. He recklessly pursues you, leaving the comfort of heaven, safety of his kingdom, the perfection of his environment. He came to this earth to seek and to find to sit with you. So this morning as we sing and we worship these last few songs, what, what I want you to do is that maybe as we were starting the first few songs today, maybe you came today because someone invited you, but, but you've been feeling this thing in your heart. Like, like maybe there's like a, like a stirring in your, in, in your chest and maybe every once in a while you get this lump in your throat and you think, man, am I, am I getting strep throat? What's happening? No, what's happening is when you get in an environment like this and the living God is in the room, which he is, is when you feel that you have a soul inside of you. And your soul has been created to be in unity with the living God. And so when you get here and you feel this, I'm going to educate you for a minute. That's not just you. That's your spirit responding to the spirit that created it, calling you back home. 
And I want you to encourage you, don't fight that. Don't shove that down. Because what Jesus wants to do is he wants to whisper into your ear your name and say, come, follow me. Because it's in the following that you're going to find everything you've been looking for. So as we stand and we sing these next two songs, what I want you to do is if you start to feel that in your heart, what it is, it's the living God calling you into a relationship. And he's saying this, follow me. And it could be this simple. You could just talk to him like you're talking to a friend and you could say, Jesus, I want to follow you. Teach me what it means to sit with you and to follow you. And then we would love to pray with you in the prayer room. We'd love to know that you did that because it's not a journey by yourself. But if you've already done that, maybe today it's a time for you to change your mind about God a little bit. And maybe you say to yourself, you know what, Darren, if I'm honest, I'm part of the 93%. I don't talk to friends about God because I'm scared. Just be honest with God. And then ask him to give you the courage this week to start a conversation about Jesus. Because if, if the presence of the living God in your life daily isn't real, compelling or interesting enough to talk to your friends about maybe it's not really there and maybe it's time to repent and start sitting with Jesus